0: Welcome to There is a Method to the Madness. My name is Rob Maxwell. I'm an exercise physiologist and personal trainer. I'm the owner of Maxwell's Fitness Programs, and I've been in business since 1994, creating programs for people. The purpose of this podcast is to give you education, to give you the real deal of what's going on and what is simply BS, hence the Method to the Madness. I'm going to talk a little bit about flexibility in the old workouts today and changing it up and how to best do that. Before I get to that, let me thank Jonathan and Lynn Gilden of the Gilden Group at Realty Pros. They currently have over 280 five-star reviews on Zillow. And look, true professionals. The real estate market is changing. There's a lot of different stuff going on out there. There's banks buying up houses. There's all this stuff when you read about it. It's gotten pretty darn complicated. And selling a house, I want to have the person behind me who absolutely knows what they're doing and can teach me how to navigate the fees and all that kind of stuff. And that's what they do. I absolutely vouch for them they can be reached at 386-451-2412. And when I say them, I mean the Gilding Group. And again, Jonathan and Lynn are the bosses of the group, but they got a whole team to help you out. So let's talk about the old principle of variety. So periodization is the technical form for changing up your workouts and not making them the same thing all the time there's different forms of periodization. It can get very technical, whereas there's what is called linear periodization. And that is where you would build a block of workouts for an entire year. And that would be called a macro cycle. And then if that gets broken up into like quarters, and that would be a mesocycle. And then that gets further broken up into like monthly and weekly workouts, and that's a micro cycle. So it's really kind of complicated. There's pros and cons to that style. Uh, the pros are, if you're working as a strength and conditioning coach for a big team, you can kind of outline all the workouts for the year, and you've gotten organized, and you, know, you can kind of just plug and play what they're supposed to do during that month. The cons are, it really kind of locks you in to a cycle that someone may or may not be ready for let's say that they come in mid-season and the entire team is on one block let's say you as the individual get hurt you're obviously not going to want to jump back in at a certain point so that's the cons to it and then there's another form of periodization called undulating periodization or non-linear periodization And that is where the workouts are different each workout during the week. In other words, a light day might be on Monday where you do higher reps and lighter loads. A medium day might be on Wednesday where you do moderate reps and moderate loads. And then a heavy day might be on Friday. And that's where you go heavier reps with lowest loads. Um, And that's assuming all the exercises stay the same for the most part. And you know, that's got its pros and cons too. The cons to that is it might not be as organized for a big team. Um, maybe that a person doesn't need to work on all of those variables. Like maybe they're already very athletic in the, in the way of endurance, so they don't really need to do high reps. So there's no point in doing that super light day course, all that can be changed and moved around. Um, the, The pluses are, though, that you're not so set on the schedule as far as where you're at in a particular time of year. So there's more flexibility there. So again, both of these forms of periodization are very technical and really are meant like more for teams and things like that. And I mean, There's been research that shows that periodization or moving around your workouts in that manner is more progressive than just doing the same old, same old all the time. So research definitely supports the fact that changing up the workouts is going to lead to greater results for most people than keeping it the same all the time. But, and there's a big caveat to that we can get, like, way too technical and way too on the weeds on these things because the research really just shows two things on this. Number one, classic periodization shows a nice way of progressing the weights all the time. So you go from, like, lighter loads early in the season to your heaviest loads later in the season to heavy fast loads like power and peaking, at the very end of the season so it shows a nice progression so was it the periodization that showed the better results in doing the same old same old in this case in classic linear periodization case or was it the progression and the way you went about it was that what was superior don't know that's that'd be really hard to figure out the other side of this is is we can get so wrapped up into all this that we get a little bit of paralysis by analysis i remember when i saw and i believe i spoke on this on a previous podcast so if you've heard this story bear with me you can hear it again but i saw one of the originators of periodization stephen fleck in tampa like 20 years ago long time ago and um you know, it was, it was it was cool to go hear him. I went to get some CECs to do a class. And, uh, you know, I thought, well, you know, he's good. I'm going to go see him. And he was talking about periodization. That was the whole point. And I remember, like, it was one of those moments where you're like, well, can I just get my money back now? Because he starts the entire session with, you people are really overthinking this periodization thing. Like all periodization means is change. That's really all that it means that we tend to respond better to change, which makes sense. So, and of course, I'm kidding about getting my money back because it was an excellent seminar. But he really went on to explain how we can really utilize this change in the real world. And I can tell you there's a huge difference between what gets put in print and studies and books and like what professional strength and conditioning coaches for like NFL teams, NBA teams, Major League Baseball, whatever. I mean, I've known some of them. I've known some of the workouts. I know what they do. There's a big difference between what you see that they write down that they do and what they really do. Like there's do this world And then there's real world and there's a big difference between the two. And I know for like new trainers and I was one of them that can be very overwhelming because you're like, God, you know, this is so technical. And then you start working with, you know, Betty Jane and you realize like Betty Jane can't follow this sort of plan because like there's always something different going on that you have to change or, Betty Jane doesn't move nearly as fast as you hope she would move. And so you have to kind of change the whole workout or you're both going to be there for two hours. You know, like there's all these things that crop up in the real world. Or clients having a certain, you know, not good day and they end up talking to you most of the time as much as you're trying to move them along. At the same time, part of personal training and part of all this is, establishing and implementing relationships and that can be a very important part of the job too so you want to listen because that could be important for their health and wellness so you don't get in what you wanted to get in so there's what a lot of these experts say to do and it's always funny when I see these written workouts and what some of these guys say that they do with people or what they do with themselves and I roll my eyes I'm like yeah okay Like we know what happens in the real world On that. Um, A little personal story on that. Like when I was, uh, I don't know, late 20s, I did a bodybuilding show and um, yeah, I did all right. I did fine. And uh, there was a thing in Iron Man Magazine, which was like one of the bigger bodybuilding magazines at the time. And there was a thing in it that said local heroes, you know, like send in your pictures, write up a story, and if we think you're worthy we'll put it in the publication I'm thinking oh wow you know I'm going to try that I didn't ever think I'd get picked right so I sent in my picture and I wrote a little brief write up about who I was and what I like to do and how I trained and all this and lo and behold I got I didn't even get a notification they were going to use it which is crazy nowadays it'd be so different there'd be all these signed releases but I got the magazine and I'm thumbing through it and I'm like holy cow there I am you know this is cool you know and but and I'm not, and I'm grateful for it. Like it was, it's, it made me feel really, really good about myself. And it, you know, it was a good, good for career starter things. So I'm like, Hey, look, I'm in a magazine, you know? So it's all positive, but you know, I couldn't help but laugh because I read the write up, and it was like, not true. <laughs> like they totally just changed things around to make the story better. Number one, they called me Bob. I'm like, I'm not Bob, I'm Rob, you know? I'm like, okay. And that isn't a big deal. But then they're like saying what my favorite exercises was. And I I believe they said bench press. And I'm like, I never said that. Like, I don't even think I answered the question what my favorite exercise I don't even remember, but I know I didn't say that. So I'm reading it going, geez, if this happens on such a small scale with me, I can't even imagine what happens when these people are talking about their workouts that they do. You know, they, they talk about these monster two and a half hour marathon workouts and I'm thinking, okay, you know, you you didn't do that. So in any event, what we find what the experts are telling us to do sometimes don't even don't always meet up to the to the test of what we really do. So what can we take from this? So the biggest thing I use periodization with in my workouts with myself and people is change. Changing it up. and I'm totally just making up this number based on my best guess 90% of the clients want to change it up and if you want to change it up you're going to be more motivated to do the exercise you're not as bored I always say all the time you know we're psychosocial animals like we're physiological we're psychological we're social we're all these different things we have all the same characteristics as other animal and one of it is is we get bored that's all there is to it and again this is just a guesstimate but I think more people get bored today than they did yesterday and when I mean yesterday I mean 10 years ago you know because why well as I've talked about in use it or lose it we don't use that toughness muscle of fighting off boredom as much as we used to to get active, to do things that are going to be very productive. We will spend time scrolling social media or other mindless things that we get into. And I believe that when we do those things, we're just weakening our boredom muscles, so to say. So I do think we've all gotten more bored because there is simply stimulation overload. So even now, I believe it's more important to implement change into the workouts. Now, one thing we have to keep in mind when we do that, like the only downside to mixing up your workouts is we can't not overload, okay? Overload is so important. It's one of the the mainstays of when we work out. And again, I could do a whole podcast on this subject too, and I probably will on Friday, but we can overload in ways that aren't so technical either. So this liability of changing it up doesn't have to happen if we're always keeping in our mind that we still have to overload. So what I mean by this is, if we're always changing a certain exercise, how are we following progressive overload? So there is that concern. Like if you are doing, let's say you're one of my young kids I train with, he's 20, 21, just turned 21. He's been big on the bench press and I think that's great. I don't think the bench press is the best exercise in the world. It's not bad, but it's not the best, right? So I'm not saying this like everybody needs the bench press, but for a young man, it's kind of an important exercise. It really builds confidence because there's metrics attached to it. There are are numbers that people talk about and know and so as you watch your numbers go up you start feeling better about your strength and then better about yourself so for him it's very important now overload means every time he comes in we try to do a little bit more on the bench press so let's say that I use the principle of change with him alright so then we're bench pressing but then the next time we're doing incline presses and next time we're doing decline presses next time we're doing dumbbell presses, next time we're doing machine presses, we're not going to see a consistent overload cycle with him. So for him, in that case, that wouldn't be ideal. But what we have to understand is, number one, that doesn't have to happen. So two ways around that. One of the ways is that we can keep certain exercises as staples in our routine. Certain. We can. I'm not saying you have to. We can keep certain exercises as staples in the routine. So let's say if we want to keep the squat, a chest press, and a row as our staples, and we don't want to vary those particular exercises. In other words, we don't want to go to a dumbbell press. We don't want to go to a leg press for the squat, and we don't want to go to a pull down for the row. We don't want to vary them at all. We want to do the exact same. Okay, so you can do that. And then you can vary everything else. And the way we vary everything else is just understand that, like, we have joint actions that I've talked about before. The hips and glutes have a certain joint action, and that is hip extension. The quads have a certain joint action, and that is knee extension. The shoulder has two specific joint actions, and that is shoulder flexion and shoulder abduction. So if we keep that in mind, there are tons of ways to train those muscles with a lot of variety. Like for shoulders, we could do side raises, we could do front raises, we could do overhead press. So we have all these varieties. We could do dumbbell side raises, we can do cable front raises, we can do um, barbell upright rows, we could do barbell shoulder press, we can do machine shoulder press. Like I heard Ellen say it this morning to a client and she's absolutely right. It's like the muscles don't know they're being stimulated, what they're being stimulated by. And that is absolutely true. So we can vary all of those areas and not miss a beat so like that is one way to keep your stable your stable exercises the same all the time the ones that you want and then vary the others another way is you really can kind of vary it all the time as long as you're always keeping the concept of overload in your mind and that's kind of how i like to do it I'm a very, uh, you know, there is a science and an art to personal training. And as much as I know the science, I'm really more into the art. Like, I really think I can read people really well. And and I'm not being arrogant. I just really believe that to be true. And as long as I'm keeping the let's keep overload in our mind on these people, then we can vary and keep progressing at the same time. Like, as long as I know... I'm challenging their limits on whatever exercise I pick. They're getting stronger in general. And that's how really I like to do things. And I think that's the best way to use variety in a workout. So in other words, let's say we introduce this is a, you know. So let me back up just for a second. In the beginning, maybe the first six months, you don't want to vary a whole lot. You want to build a nice strength foundation. But then after that, you know, six months to a year, I think you should almost always vary it. Like, always do something different because we do respond better to change. Okay, so I had to back up and say that. But let's say we introduce or I introduce a new exercise to somebody. Uh, I was playing around with today straight arm pull downs, single arm pull downs on the cable machine. Straight arm though. Like, sometimes we do pullovers bent over. I was playing with them standing straight up and I'm like, man, I feel my lats really well. I feel my core engaging. I like this. So, and, and a lot of times, I'm going to bring in exercises that I like and new exercises I try and like to my clients. And that's one of the best things we can do as trainers because then we're learning along and we're, we're sharing with what we know. So I think that's a really good way to do it. And I do that a lot. And sometimes clients will say, oh, you're on this kick because you've been doing it. I'm like, yeah, that's exactly right. And you're going to benefit from my exploration. I mean, absolutely true. So... Let's say I introduce this exercise. So, you know, we try it, put it on a weight that I think they can do fairly easily, and then increase the load to the best that they can do. And I challenged their current strength levels to go at or beyond what they can do. So, I'm really technically covering overload and variation at the same time. And that's kind of what I believe to be the win-win. Like we have workout protocols we follow, you know, for everybody that comes in, we do an assessment and then we typically start with like the basic exercises that we know everybody can do and can do well eventually. All the basics, leg extension, squat, leg curl, chest press, pull down, row, shoulder raise, curl, tricep press down, ab, low back. Like those are the basic foundations, right? And then once we do that though, we get to learn the person, right? And then they'll come in, and then after a while, it's like, okay, so we have to train pecs, right? Because you do. I mean, pecs are a major muscle group. You have to keep them trained consistently. But they don't necessarily have to continue to do the hammer chest press. I mean, then maybe today let's do incline press. Maybe, Maybe we do cable fly. Like there's all these different things we can do still staying within the format of the workout, but giving the client and ourselves variety because if they're bored, you're bored. And vice versa. If the trainer's bored, the client's bored. So, you know, and if the client's bored doing the same thing, you're going to get bored because you're both just going through the motions. Even if you're pushing, even if you're pushing, even if you're going to failure because for a trainer, there's excitement there in teaching. And when we don't teach, we're not as engaged. So it's important for us to continue to teach new movements, new theories, new things as well. And it really improves the relationship, the client-trainer relationship, all right? So that is the best way to use variation and periodization, right? So think of it more as variation versus periodization because, again, it can be so technical. And the bottom line is, just like the great Stephen Flex said, it's like people, the body responds to change. Keep changing it up. Force the body to adjust, and that's what an adaptation is. So let me now thank our second great sponsors. Man, you know, I'm so fortunate. I'm so lucky to have people that believe in the gym, believe in the podcast like Jonathan and Lynn Gilden and then like Jeff and Zach Cocker own Overhead Door. I mean, you know, they buy into it because they believe in what we're doing. And I'm so thankful for that. And I believe in what they're doing. And I absolutely believe they, I mean, it's not even close. They have the best garage door company around. I mean, I think everybody knows overhead door is the best and everybody else is just kind of fighting for second place. There's no question in my mind about that. So if you need any help with customer service or getting a new garage door, getting it fixed, whatever, give Jeff and Zach a call at overhead door 386-226-3820. Be well, people.